Hello. Hmm. <laughs> Mental health is still a stigma in our African communities. But the good news is we are about to continue breaking the silence. For those who know or may not know, I have been a mental health champion since 2016. It's about breaking the stereotypes, it's about normalizing the conversation, but it's about embracing ourselves and still thriving in our Africanhood while we rewrite our narratives. Hello everyone, my name is Nadia Abdallah and I'm your favorite host hailing from the lands and seas of Kenya. Today is a new episode where we are going to talk about breaking the stigma, mental health in our African communities. So stay tuned and oh, by the way, make sure you subscribe. So before we get into the conversation where we are talking about mental health in our African communities, and before I share some receipts on the stats that are out there, I'd like to help you guys with some definition of what mental health is to just help some of you get context and understand. All right. So it says mental health comprises of a person's psychological emotional and social well-being. They go on and say that it affects how individuals think, how they feel, and how they act, influencing how they handle stress, relating to others, and how they make choices. Furthermore, mental health is not merely the absence of mental illness, rather it's a state of overall well-being where individuals can realize their potential cope with life stresses, work productively, and contribute to their communities. So now you have a bit of context on what mental health is, all right? And so when we are talking about mental health in the context of our African communities, I'm merely focusing on how to break the silence, but at the same time, how to really normalize the conversations. Because let's be truthful, y'all. Mental health issues have been there for the longest time. Unfortunately, at some point in our lives, we never knew that they are those issues. And because we grew up in different communities and in different spaces, we grew up seeing people who actually suffer from mental health issues being segregated from everyone else. But hey, as I said, it needs to end somewhere. And so, what I want us to discuss today. In what other ways and means in which we can break the silence, but also normalize the conversations. So stay tuned for more. So as I said in the beginning, the stigma is still there. A lot of people get segregated, but at the same time, I feel like governments, institutions, and individuals are still not seeing how important it is for us to redirect our attention and focus and invest and solve mental health issues. Because you see, I tell people, 
The same way there is an urgency to climate change because we need a place to live on, it's the same thing when it comes to mental health. We need healthy people to keep the earth going, right? And so I don't understand why people still don't see the urgency when it comes to mental health. I don't understand why we're still at a place where we are silent about mental health issues, where we don't want to be candid about the different conversations, and where we don't want to address the stigma that is around. But hey, you know what? We're on truth is, and we are about to talk about it as it is. You know why? Because your truth your power. So I want to share a personal story, you know, uh, when it comes to just resilience and how I met my own challenges when it comes to mental health or my mental wellness. So I was in university in Berlin and I remember very vividly on that frightful day, I was unwell. I was feeling very unwell and I remember it was, I think it was winter and if it's not winter, it was autumn, but I was not well and you know, I had my heater on because I was feeling extremely cold, but I had to go to school and you know, if I wanted to go to school, I needed to take a shower and so I was like, you know what? After having covered myself and you know, keeping myself warm, I was like, let me just go get a take a shower then get ready and then head to school what i didn't realize was that when i covered myself with so much on me and when my heater was on i didn't realize how i would get this certain chill down my spine when i was now getting ready to shower anyway long story short and thank god i had my braids on and i had tied it upwards i I don't know what the name is but as i opened the shower and i wanted really hot water because i knew that when i leave my apartment it's gonna be super cold as i opened the water or i let the water down i don't know what happened between me letting the water down and me fainting but I fainted. Now, the crazy part is I'm not sure for how many minutes or seconds I fainted for. But when I woke up, I realized I was on the floor naked and my head was two inches away from the toilet seat. Now, I'm not kidding. My head was two inches away. The only thing that actually saved me on that day were my braids. Now, fast forward. At the beginning, I thought that, oh, it was nothing, you know, you faint and nothing happens. But then I started developing some sense of fear, you know, fear of really being alone in the train, being alone in the bus. Um, if I'm somewhere under underground, I felt claustrophobic, I couldn't breathe and stuff. So I, I started developing some weird just just weird fear. And I didn't know what it was. And of course, at this point, I didn't even share with my friends because I thought I was going crazy. But then because I'm so inquisitive, I went online and started researching and started reading about it. And I came across something that that was called PTSD, which was post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was reading and reading about it. And I realized, so I self-diagnosed, which is not something I would advise anyone to do if you're listening, but I self-diagnosed myself because 
I'm a foreign student in a, in a European country. Medical is expensive. Your insurance, yes, it covers, but it takes you a while to go see a doctor. And then not forgetting the fact that when it comes to therapy and psychologists it's, and counselors, it's expensive. And so I self-diagnosed myself and I realized because of what had happened to me and I was alone, I developed the fear of being alone anywhere I am because subconsciously I thought that if something happens to me and I'm here all alone, who's going to help me? Who's going to save me? Will I have enough money to, to go to the hospital? Will my insurance cover? So I had all these things. But the beauty about, I think, being who I am was that once I figured this out, I started reading more on how you can get over your own PTSD. And I, I came across a lot of information and stuff. So I started, you know, taking care of myself. I created my own campaign was called 13 Days of Freest Gratitude. So what I would do every day, I would go out and put myself in a crowd and take a picture of the thing that makes me happy, get along with people, this and that, yada, 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 yada. But that just got me to be being better, you know, but it triggered something in me. And it was like, I managed to control my own fear and my own worries because I was inquisitive. I had access to the internet. I was in a foreign country. I was able to read. And I was like, what if people who are experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing or other things, but they have no access to information, they have no courage to do things on their own so that they can get over these things. And they had no, no urge to actually be better. And I was like, you know what? I need to be more vocal about the different things. And that's how I became vocal, you know, about mental health, because what I wanted to do was I wanted to share the information that I have with people out there. And the best way that I could do it was through my Instagram. At that time, I still had Instagram. This was 2016, 2017. I started working on, um, I remember I registered a, a sole proprietorship and I started doing brunch and I started coming up with topics for women in my community to talk, to meet. And so you see, that was a way in which I managed to normalize the conversation. Now, my question before we go deeper is how are you normalizing your own, your, your conversations when it comes to mental health? Have you ever thought of looking deep within yourself and the issue that you are facing and trying to work it out on yourself, but then stopping and thinking, if I could do this, how many other people can? And you see, that's part of creating a space and creating this ripple effect that will help in breaking the silence. The number one thing that's going to help us moving forward when it comes to mental health is by us being out there, by us using ourselves as examples, and by us breaking the silence within our own communities and our own societies. Now, stay tuned because I'm about to drop some real stats on mental health and how it's affecting Africa and our communities. Hey yo, so I'm back. And before we go into the statistics, I just want to first of all say shout out to everyone who is working on their mental health. Shout out to everyone who is actually taking action to break the silence. 
Shout out to all the organizations that are normalizing mental health conversations. Shout out to individuals championing for mental health. And let us keep the pressure going because we need more policies, we need more investments, and we need more people to talk about mental health. And if you are struggling with your mental health, kindly get help. If you feel like you don't know the right channels to get help, I will share some uh, phone numbers in the caption. But at the same time, you can get help even online. If you feel defeated, just scream about it and shout about it and put it online. Someone will see it. Now, I just want to share some general statistics about mental health in Africa. When we talk about the prevalence of mental health disorder, I found something and it says, according to the World Health Organization, about 15% of the African population is estimated to suffer from a mild or moderate mental health disorder. This includes conditions like depression, anxiety, and substance abuse disorder. Ladies and gentlemen, 15%. Now, it goes up and says there's a treatment gap. There's a significant treatment gap for mental health conditions in Africa. Unfortunately, WHO again estimates, suggests that about 75 to 85% of people in low and middle income African countries receive no treatment for mental health disorders. Do you see why we need to talk about it more? Do you see why we need to put pressure on our legislation and on our governments to put more pressure? Do you see why there's a need for us to put pressure to get more investments and more funding? Mm-hmm. Statistics don't lie. Now, another one, and this is something that we discussed with my friends, it was about limited mental health professions. It actually says that Africa faces a shortage of mental health professionals. And there are typically very few psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health workers available per population in many African countries. And number one, this could really be due to, you know, in our African societies, you either an accountant, a doctor, a lawyer. What else is there? Hmm, yeah, a lawyer. And uh, that's it. There's nothing else because our communities have been made to believe that these are the only professions that are there. But I'm here to tell you if you have a passion and if you can do it, please let us have more professionals out there. Let us champion for more professions and let us talk about the importance of having psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health workers that are in need. And sometimes I know people will be like, oh, it's so expensive to study. You can be a mental health advocate. The fastest way you can do that is go online, read more about it. These days we have AI. These days we have platforms that have free certifications. Please let us do something in order to help our professionals when it comes to the issue. Now, this is an interesting one, guys. Impact of trauma. And I don't know how many of you know this, but many African regions have faced or continue to experience conflicts, natural disasters, and social upheavals leading to high rates of trauma-related mental health issues like PTSD. Now, when we talk about trauma-related issues and trauma impact, the first thing, and this is something that I've been trying to talk about, when we are championing about climate change, we are talking about the natural disasters people face. We are talking about the the ripple effect that happens, people don't realize that climate change issues and mental health issues go hand in hand because the trauma that is faced with people who face floods, who face volcanic eruptions, who face increased emissions of gases in the air, who 
consume that, who get sick, all that. We need to start working hand in hand with mental health practitioners and advocating more on trauma-related issues that trigger mental illnesses because Africa is one of the continents that suffers the most now. Suicidal rates, and this is very sad. And I say it's very sad because I have seen people. I have been in spaces with young people who come to me and tell me or have seen them trying to attempt suicide, thinking of suicide, but they don't even have the help that they need. And it says that suicide rates across Africa vary by regions. Even I didn't know this. And they are influenced by factors like access to mental health care, social support, and cultural attitudes towards suicide. Data on suicide rates in Africa can be limited and varied. So number one, they don't even give us a percentage. Why? Because different places have different cases. And one thing I wanted to highlight is the cultural attitude towards suicide. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a place where sometimes when you talk about like you're facing mental health problems or you're like, oh, you feel suicidal. Actually, you can be told, huh, if you feel like that, go jump off a roof. Are you upset? Go throw yourself. These are the, the comments that I grew up with. Now, not myself, but even around us. That, and for those who belong to similar cultures and communities like mine, you know what I'm saying. Like sometimes you'll be like, you're so upset and you want to do something and you're told, I listen, please, you can go and throw yourself in the sea. It's fine. But now times have changed. I feel like the generation that we grew up in, if it's the millennials or whatever, and the generation that is coming up, I feel like there's a very big distinction. You can't really joke and tell children that anymore because some of them can actually take it for a real thing and go and do that. And so I think we need to be very, very careful. And, you know, I I realized that efforts to really address mental health in Africa have to go hand in hand with policy reforms, awareness campaigns, community-based mental health initiatives, and training programs. Why? Because we need to increase the number of mental health professionals, integrate mental health care into our primary health care system, and make it a priority for us to bridge the gap of treatment between. And as I said, it's okay not to be okay. Like if you're not feeling good, that's okay. I mean, I'm going to tell you the truth, yeah? Like before jumping onto this podcast, I I cried. I was crying. And I was crying because I was, I have overwhelming emotions. I've been remembering a lot of beautiful memories that I have um, with my late mom, but at the same time with somebody that I loved dearly. And so these things come once in a while and they hit you when you least expect them and you cry. But I'm crying and at the same time, I'm like, it's fine. Like, yeah, crying is part of the systematic way of living life. Some people don't cry. And and honestly, I feel bad because I'm like, crying is such a beautiful thing because once you cry, it's like you're releasing some sort of tension and you become a different person. All right. So stay tuned because we have the last part where we are going to talk about how we're going to get this train going because mental health cannot be stigmatized anymore. So now we've talked about the statistics. I've shared a personal story. I've told you why it's important for us to have these conversations. What I want us to do now, and this is my takeaway, 
We need to have open dialogues to break down barriers and we need to foster understanding. Now, how are we going to do that, especially in a digital savvy world that we are in? Number one, if you are a mental health advocate, practitioner, enthusiast, or whatever it is, use your platform to speak about mental health, normalize the conversations. If you can, use yourself as a vessel to speak the truth and just be yourself. Because one thing that I've realized that works and has impact when it comes to mental health is really personalizing the message. Let that message hit home for somebody else to realize that this is an important thing. Number two, if you are in a place of legislation, a place of power, a place of influence, if you can use your voice, your mind, and your vehicle to push for policy reforms. The only other way we can achieve normalizing and really integrating mental health solutions into our countries and our communities is if the government sees how important mental health issues are. Again, I will say this. We might have investments when it comes to small and medium enterprises. We might be championing for climate change and mitigation and transformation. We might be talking about the different social systems that are there. But if we don't prioritize the young generation's minds and the uptake and the normalization and really talking about how it's okay to not be okay and how suicide is not the option, we will lose a generation that is meant to build our nations, meant to build our continent and meant to build our communities. Number three, be kind to everyone you meet. Some people have mastered the art or perfected the art of looking good, looking okay, and pretending everything is fine, yet deep down inside, they are hurting. So be kind to everyone you meet and make sure you remind those you love that if they feel like they need somebody to talk to, they can always reach out to you. And number four, let's push this agenda and this conversation forward. I personally am a board chair of a mental health foundation called Nivisha Foundation that is available that is that is set up in Kibera. It's an amazing foundation that is run by the ED called Amisa Rashid. Now they are doing fantastic work with youth, with single mothers, you know, and, and, and everyone else in their community. They're teaching, they're advocating, they're partnering, they're collaborating. So if you can, and this is SDG 17, collaborate, collaborate and partner for change. Look and find platforms, communities, organizations, foundations that actually invest in mental health issues and be part of it. We need a collaborative voice and a collaborative effort in order to make mental health, to be honest, I think uh, a global crisis because it is a global crisis. And number five, let's break the stigma. Break the silence. If you can, speak to people in your community, speak to your families, and tell them about the different mental health issues that are there. If you see somebody in your family and your community is being treated badly, please do what is necessary to be done and be the voice of change. Listen, at the end of the day, yeah, 
There is Ubuntu when it comes to African communities. We run by Ubuntu. And one of the most significant keys of Ubuntu is really collaborating with one voice. Now, if we can collaborate in one voice when it comes to economic issues, when it comes to financial issues, why can we not collaborate when it comes to mental health issues? So think about it. If you're struggling with mental health, you're not alone. If you have a stigma around mental health, break that stigma. If you're a professional or a champion, keep it up. We are proud of you. At the end of the day, we are going to normalize mental health, make it a normal conversation, and we are going to stop the stigma and we'll keep breaking silence. You know why? Because your truth, your power. I'm your host, Nadia Abdallah, signing off. Till next time.